Hello. What an intro. <laughs> I can get around this. This is unreal. You're listening to James and Dave. This is the podcast Static. And that intro is Ping Island slash Lightning Strike Rescue Up by Mark uh, Mothersbaugh. Mothersbaugh. Also known as the song in the uh, grand Wes Anderson film. Life Aquatic with Steve Sisu. Yes. So I, I thought we'd start off a little bit differently there. We always start with Tom Tom and he's great. And I actually sent him the podcast the other day and said, hey, we're still using the song. We're trying to give credit. Well, we, we do give credit. Hmm. Um, and he was like, that's so awesome. Hmm. So he's hoping then, Wes Anderson <laughs> or Mark Mothersbaugh comes and says, hey, I love you guys. Mm-hmm. I hope so. <laughs> I, but, uh, I don't know what to expect. We're recording this episode straight after the last one, um, <laughs> which if you haven't listened yet, it's about uh, a garage door being hit uh, quite forcefully with my full drive mm. mid-recording. Mm. And then we explain a little bit about that. But um, So we've been very clunky because we finished that one like partway through by starting a new one. And now mm. we're, we were partway through that chat and we've started this one. Yeah. A little bit of a schmozzle. Yeah. You know what I find is that with this kind of this kind of structure, you hit a flow with conversation. Totally, yeah. And I feel like there's a few moments where I like pop my head above water and I'm like, how did we get here? <laughs> like we were talking about this, now we're talking about that and it's this nice, I think it's at least a nice flow from one to the other. If it's not nice, it's maybe a little bit incoherent, but that's fun too. Yeah, there's, <laughs> I think there's a sense of fun and like uh, whimsy with it. Whereas mm. we're not taking anything serious. It's just a, a couple of lads having a banter. Yeah, we don't have an agenda. <laughs> we're not working to a PowerPoint. It's just, we'll just keep going. Yeah, when we did radio, we used to always prepare stories and news articles. And I, my brain keeps trying to tell me to go into that habit when we're doing this and, you know, get some articles up and things like that. And then it's just like... Mm. No, there's too many yeah. serious podcasts out there. And this is kind of like, you know how you watch reality TV, like trash reality TV, <laughs> when you just want a bit of a break. You just want to listen. You don't have to really pay attention because nothing really matters. Yes. And if you're, you know, if you're on your phone or you like fall asleep for a little bit, you can just wake up and you're just back in it. Yeah, I, I feel like we're the, we're the Muzak of podcasts you know yeah. that like, like, like that. it's like sims jazz <laughs> like you just play it in the background it's a nice little nice yeah. little hum it's nothing serious i definitely see like a few podcasts taking themselves seriously too seriously yeah but then there's a lot of um podcasts that really take themselves seriously in terms of the content but the audio quality isn't up to scratch and it makes me feel so much better that our audio quality is not amazing but then our content is just garbage too (laughs) so it's like oh cool i don't have to have any pressure it matches there's (laughs) there's a podcast that uh someone i knew listened to and they were trying to get me to listen to it and they were like they'd tell me stories about it and i'm like look that all sounds you know amazing and interesting and i would love to Every time I would listen to this podcast, you could hear the tiles in the house, if that makes sense. Like you the can, echo. You can the hear the echo of their voices and it just, it, it takes me out of it because I'm just picturing them in this like weird empty room where there's no, there's no carpet, there's no curtains to absorb the sound. So they're literally yeah. just in a tiled room. <laughs> it killed me. I don't know. Yeah. Couldn't Although, I think... Like when people record their voice um, just talking in that sort of like real tiled, sterile kind of environment, um, it doesn't work out. If they sing or if they play guitar or something, it just reverberates and it sounds so satisfying. I I do love a, um, uh, what do you, I don't even know what you'd call it, like an acapella um, halo theme song rendition. Like, yes. (laughs) Where, you know, people go into bathrooms and just start like... Or that. stairwells. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Mm. So good. Very creepy. 
Yeah. Okay. But I feel like it's that's quite universal. I reckon there would be very few people that would hate that. Yeah. I mean, music is such a common language. Um, pretty much every culture on earth has their own form of music mm, mm. Um, and, and instruments as well. Yeah. There's definitely elements within music in general that are more universal than others. Totally. I'd say like, yeah, obviously percussion and rhythm. There's like, yeah, you can have cultural differences, but there's an overarching idea there that's basically the same. Yeah. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. You said that there was something that you wanted to uh, chat about on this episode. Oh, let's, yes. Let's do a, not so, a deep dive, but a... Oh, it's the sh- it's shallow. It's a, a shallow pu- scuba. It's, it's, it's um, <laughs> I was going to say a puddle, but I feel like it's one of those... A, um, a snorkel. No, I feel like it's a dingy <laughs> lagoon. It's like Band-Aids floating. And oh, gross. It's just, yeah, it's not great. Isn't it funny how like if someone's got a Band-Aid on them, you're like, oh, yeah, like I hope they're okay. But then <laughs> as soon as a Band-Aid comes off, off, it's it's this, so dirty. Yeah. like Well, I, like, I, I, I agree, but I've also, I've done a quick calculation. When it's on a person, the grossest part, it's covered. It's between the skin and the outside of the band-aid it's not out there yeah you take that band-aid off it's just whoa I put a lid on it so i um i recently had a uh like a skin biopsy for a potential skin cancer thankfully it came back Ooh. uh all good um but for a while there i had to change this big dressing and mm. you know you have to do it in the shower because otherwise all the tape just literally pulls the hair from your legs Ooh. um and when it's on me, I'll touch it, you know, during the day, it's fine. It's like, oh, this is just part of me now. <laughs> it's an extension of my body. Um, it's as if I'm touching my finger or, you know, just my leg where, you know, the biopsy was before mm. um, or before the biopsy, I should say. But then I'll like put it, you know, outside the shower to remind me to put it in the bin mm. and then, you know, dry myself and I go to pick it up. And I'm like, this is gross. <laughs> and I'm doing the, you know, two finger pinch and I'm holding oh. it at arm's length. And, oh. and it's suddenly now this very dirty gross thing and it's like yeah that's it's it changes so quickly yeah i i have that experience quite often um when i get tattoos i cover them in glad wrap i put like the the anti antiseptic cream on it and like the kind of it's it's not pretty it's like a it's a mucus kind of thing that yeah comes off are you a mr pickles fan or a savlon or a pawpaw what do you do i um what's he go to Ah, oh, because because I'm not organised, I have. <laughs> <laughs> I just rub a banana on me. <laughs> I, I just have whatever is left, which like oh, okay. I'm I'm a bepanthum man oh. by choice because it's actually antiseptic. Yeah, Mister Pickle, on the other hand, that's just pawpaw ointment. Yes, there's it's not like there's no. Like sterility, I know what is the word I'm looking for. Well, look, I would have agreed with you, but when I was looking at, because everyone recommended Doctor Pickles or like mm. Paw Paw, um, you know, anything that's more sort of that, you know, in quotations natural. Mm. Um, and you look it up, and fermented Paw Paw, which is what they use, is actually antiseptic in some well, all be yeah, some way or shape. I don't understand the. You know the biology of it, but we've oh, we've done a dokey. big tangent here, and I I'm sorry about that. No, it was an important tangent because I learned something, and I feel less bad about using uh, Doctor Pickles now. Yeah, totally. Don't. Um, also, use whatever you need. Interesting name, Pickles. Um, definitely, people who think it's like fermented pickle. Isn't pickle already fermented? Yeah, pickles fermented cucumber. Double fermented. <laughs> anyway, or like. Um, brined cucumber, brined. pickled cucumber. Technically, I've never heard that. <laughs> that just sounds like some guy called Brian did some <laughs> weird shit in his shed, and people are like, oh, you know, he brined mm. the pickle. It's like, is Brian, that Brian is literally just salt water, so it's not a brine. I'm realizing now, but it <laughs> it is a uh, a pickled pickle. I thought, a pickled cucumber I, is a pickle. I thought you were doing like a um like a role play and you were still in that fantasy world where Brian did things to pickles and <laughs> you were just his mate. Oh, Brian's just salt water. <laughs> okay. Weird take. Weird, weird insult on Brian. Oh, sorry, Brian. Anyway, I've finally done it. I've deleted TikTok. What? Deleted it. I know. I'm like beside myself. 
absolutely beside myself. Wow. So we've done episodes on, I was literally just listening to our um, episode the other day on TikToks that radiate vine energy. Oh. And you're a big proponent of that episode. I know. I, look, this is the thing. Too much of a good thing. Wow. I, I, it's an addiction. Had to get away from it. I, a couple of weeks ago, I sent you a TikTok, which I feel like everyone should see. This is also, in saying that, this is why it's a problem. <laughs> I've been uh, sending you TikToks. I didn't know that. I'm so sorry. No, no. I don't. <laughs> see, I, I'm now regressing to those people. Um, they existed probably a year or two ago. They would like brag. Like, oh, I don't actually have TikTok. I just like get the ones that my friends send me. And it's like, you don't get to quote those. You didn't, you didn't scroll for hours looking for them. So I'm becoming one of them now. Um, I just rely on my friends to get my fix. Wow. Okay. Um, so I'm an enabler. Yeah. yeah. Enabler. Wow. Well, um, it's hard. But yeah, I came across this TikTok that was like, <laughs> real tongue in cheek. It was like, congratulations. You've reached the end of the For You page. There are no more videos for you. You can now log out of the app. And I remember laughing going, ha ha. This should be my cue to leave. And then I sat on TikTok for another two weeks. And I was like, okay, I really need to get off this. I thought you were going to say you just deleted in that moment. No, and that would have been so poetic. Not that poetic. Um, I'm, I'm, two weeks is still poetic. <laughs> it's a little bit poetic. Um, but no, I just found like, oh, I'd wake up in the morning and if someone had sent me one, I'd open it. It would then open the app. Mm. And then I'd just be on it for like, I don't know. A stupid amount of time, but regardless of how long I was on it, it would just zap my brain first thing in the morning. Here's 50 different things to look at and they're all amazing. Okay, now once you're done with that, go out and do things. And I'm like, well, I can't. Yeah. It's just, you've shown me all these amazing things. I'll just keep doing that. Look, actually, I think you're under something because I, if um, on the on the days where I work and have like an afternoon start... I, that morning, I will just like stay in bed. I'll just watch some TikToks. Mm. And then if I do that instead of actually getting up, you know, roughly around the time I wake up and just go and make breakfast and stuff, I feel significantly worse mentally Ooh, and physically yeah. if I've just spent the time on TikTok because an hour will go by just like that. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'll be and like, what happened? The um, The thing that I found interesting, so like... Oh, it's going to go down a bit of a rabbit hole. Take me. Take me down the rabbit hole. So, this might get cut. If it doesn't, all good. Um, one of the things that deterred me from MDMA was seeing other people on it. Ah. So, seeing people in that state, I'm like, I know they're having the best time. But I look at that and I go, yeah, but like they're kind of... They're having themselves on a bit there. Like, look at that. That's a, that's a bit rough. When they're just gurning the <laughs> yeah, inside of their yeah, cheeks, their yeah. mouth is just uncontrollable. Mm, their mm. eyes are in the back of their heads and they're just like yeah, it's lifeless on a couch. Just like... Uh, and the like disparity between mm. what they feel and what they look like. <laughs> wild. Yeah. Um, but, and like, uh, I've, I've like been learning a lot about like addiction and 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 all that lately and one of the one of the best things you can do is okay recognize the urge recognize that um you know the thing that you're addicted to you're not enjoying that as much as you're enjoying satisfying the urge to do it so you don't actually enjoy having a cigarette you enjoy getting rid of the craving, getting rid of the urge. Yeah, after a while, for sure. Yeah. The initial oh, yeah, part draws you in because nicotine is a hell of a drug. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And I don't think people really give it credit, especially I find non-smokers. Mm. Um, yeah, they don't get it. Yeah. For, for anyone that's <laughs> new to this podcast, Dave and I are registered psychologists in Australia. <laughs> so we should have led with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we do, you know, we have worked with a lot of clients in addiction spaces and we have, you know, mm. what, well, you did six years of uni. Actually, no, we're both seven years of uni because we pushed it out a little bit. You had a break. But anyway. Yeah, s- yeah. <laughs> Sidetrack. <laughs> anyway. um, and I, you know, I've met non-smokers and they'll say, um, oh, I don't understand, you know, why people smoke. And it's like, well, actually, there's a real, um, you know, 
pleasure and reward yeah. system being activated in their brain. It's compelling. Yeah, from this tiny little death soldier. Yeah. <laughs> tiny little matchstick. Um, and it is such a hard-hitting one, but it doesn't last very long, which is why mm. people chain smoke because mm. constantly trying to get that short high again and again and again. But and again. Yeah, yeah. as you said, yeah, once people are in that cycle, it's now to get rid of the cravings and people that say, you know, oh, I smoke um, to help relieve, you know, a really stressful day at work. Um, it's actually that, yeah, there's some stressful things happening at work, but it's being exacerbate, exacerbated by the lack of nicotine mm. and that uh, pleasure and reward system in your brain being like, hey, give me the good thing, give me the good thing, give me yeah, the good thing. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Uh, sorry, a little, little tangent. No, no, good, relevant tangent, relevant tangent. So I know, yeah, a, bi a big part of like getting through that is recognizing the reality of your moment-to-moment -moment experience while you're doing the thing that you're addicted to. So satisfying the urge is really compelling because mm. your brain's like, yep, yeah, give me the good thing. But if you look at what the actual experience is like, you're like, I don't enjoy any of this. This is like not, it's not the first hit that I had. It's not the first experience that was amazing. It's actually just like, I mean, it's not bad, but it's not amazing. Like I'm not going to, you know, continue doing this. I'm not going to, you know, shape my life around it. And so, yeah, I tried to like look at, okay, in my head, this feels good watching TikToks. It's funny, blah, blah, blah. What is the more objective experience here? Like, picture yourself from the other side of the room. Like, what are you doing? And like, I'd see myself just sitting there, like, hunched over, poor posture, like, facing a screen. I'm very aware of my posture right now. <laughs> sit up. <laughs> and I look at that. And in the same way, I look at old mate gurning on the couch. I was like, they're, they're having a great time, but it doesn't look like it. And so I'd kind of just, I, yeah. I know full well that I can't just have the app and be like, oh, which one? It's, I just I just had to delete it. I had to be like, um, you know, treat myself like a child. No, you don't get it anymore. Honestly, that's not really like, yeah, you know, you look at it at surface level, it's, you know, this is what you do to a kid. You take away the thing that's causing some sort of harm. Mm. But it's actually a you know, really good way um, to do it. Mm. You know, people talk about cold turkey and that it's, you know, for some people it works so well and other people it really, you know, is a struggle. There is no right or wrong way, but it's definitely a legitimate way to do it mm. because um, if I go back to uh, smoking or even drinking, mm. um, people that quit and if they keep a pack of cigarettes or, you know, a six pack of beers just for a rainy day in case, you know, they ever need it, it's a uh, safety behavior that just, you know, isn't very safe because it is the mm -hmm. potential to relapse. Because once you've done that, you, you know, go back and smoke those cigarettes or drink that beer and you'll be like, oh, well, I've, I've messed it all up. I've ruined yeah. my, you know, progress and my life and all right, well, I might as well just get on it. Yeah, yeah. And it just, yeah, it all unravels quite quickly. Mm. It's like the, the little bit of thread on the cloth. You start pulling it and it all frays. But I yeah. think um, every time that you know that you've got it spare or you've got it there, like if I've still got the app there, every time I have a spare moment, I'm like, oh, I've got that. No, I shouldn't. And so every little time that I go, nah, I shouldn't, nah, I shouldn't, it's like wearing me down ever so slowly. But if it's not there... I'm like, okay, well, I have to download it. I have to do all these things to get it back. Big barrier. Yeah, it's like... It sounds, you know, small when you think about, oh, downloading an app and mm. putting in some login details, but it's a lot of effort that our brain will just be like... Yeah, uh, stuff it, yeah. It's not worth it. And, and like, yeah, it's, it's just making it the barrier that little bit bigger so that it's not just... It's not leaving it up to me to go, oh, I'll just watch one or two and then I'll close the app because that won't happen. That never happens. Mm. Um, but yeah, I guess I'm... I want to do it to other apps as well, but I feel like I'm part of the cult. Like messaging makes this the hardest. Yeah. It's like you don't want to just disconnect from everyone and you know feel like you're treating people poorly. But then 
I think we've chatted about this a few times on the podcast, actually, which is a good sign that I need to do something about it. <laughs> Every time I open Instagram, it's like, I know exactly what I'm going to see. It is tailored to me. I know exactly what it's going to be. It's going to be some variation of a four-wheel drive, a drag queen, or like some rainforest somewhere. I know what they look like. I know what all of them look like. Give or take a few exceptions. Yeah. But yet I just keep on going back. Oh, I'm going to go look at those again. Yeah. Why? Why? Like, that's so ridiculous. No, it, it's very ridiculous when we think about it like that. But it makes so much sense in like, but I need to know what my friends are up to. I need to know. And yeah. it's like, well, I'm at work on my lunch break and I'm seeing people, you know, out in the middle of a forest that have just camped. <laughs> yeah. And I feel real terrible about myself. Yeah. And I was like, oh, cool. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It doesn't doesn't add what we think it is adding. But um, the weird, I don't know why, but one of the um, catalysts for me doing all this, um, it's something I've heard before, but I remembered it recently um, through experience. I forget who said it, but someone was like, you notice that when you dream... You're never on your phone. You don't dream of doing things and checking your phone. Maybe some people do, but I've my... never I've never had a dream that's right? directly included my phone that I can currently acknowledge. Yeah, it's so strange. Like I've had, um, I <laughs> I remember in high school when I was like super into Bejeweled. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Bejeweled, I used to like, as I was drifting off to sleep, I could like picture the movements, if mm, that makes sense. Yep. Like kind of, yeah, picture, I don't even know what that was now, like swapping gems to make three in a row. What a dumb game. Um, I would like picture that on the back of my eyelids pretty much as I'm going to sleep. And I'm like, wow. this is not good. That's probably like the closest I've gotten to like unconsciously dreaming about a phone or a screen but yeah like most times unless i'm forgetting some when i dream i'm not playing with my phone and so i was like i don't know is it my dream to not look at my phone no i didn't actually think we that, can but. be you know very like is it jungian and uh, yeah. freudian that look into dreams mm. um but yeah, I should I should have put a disclaimer on that. I don't think dreams actually mean anything. <laughs> but I, the thought I had after one of these dreams was like, oh, that is weird. I'm going to question my relationship with my phone. I think that's, you know, it, it sparked a sort of a further conversation and a, mm. a further sort of bit of motivation to be like, okay, well, it's actually, yes, it's part of my waking life, but it doesn't have to be part of that if it's, not really relevant. When I dream, I think about other places that are real or, mm. you know, me in, you know, in an environment rather than on my phone looking at environments. Yes. Yeah. I, um, we've, I think we've talked about this a little bit before, but I've never, we should probably do a whole episode um, about this, but I used to work as a psychologist um, in a high security and maximum security prison. Mm. And so I, I left there in about June, uh, 2021 and started working in private practice in the community mm. with you, Dave. Mm. Um, but every now and then, maybe once every three or so weeks, maybe four weeks, I will dream about being back working in the prison. Ooh. Yeah, it just keeps coming back. And I'm just like, I've quit the job and I'm still being transported back. Mm. That's interesting. This is going to get very Jungian. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a... Strange thing. I've definitely dreamt of roofing. Yeah. Like probably not too frequently. But then I feel like that's a that's a separate kind of deal, right? I don't know how comparable those are. The dreams that I have had about roofing usually involve me falling through the roof though. Oh. It's like a fear thing. So I wonder, you know, how much that plays into it as well. It's like yeah. Maybe not fear, but like a discomfort that you might have felt at work. And it's like, your brain's like, oh, remember that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, this can, we can probably go really deep on, you know, mental health. Obviously, having, you know, professional backgrounds and qualifications in that. Mm. Do we have to give a disclaimer that it's like general advice or something? 
Yeah, let's probably. Yeah, this is don't this is just us talking. Don't yeah, we're tell. we're not therapists for you. We're <laughs> we're your friends. Just your pals, Dave and James. Yeah. Um, but we can also you know talk about our own mental health struggles, and it's been an, it's like an episode idea in the back of my mind for some time now, mm. talking about um our own mental health and just normalizing mm. that even people who are literally trained in mental yeah. health can still have mental health issues. Mm. It's mm. Super normal. Reducing that stigma is important and seeking help is such a great way to um, get through it. Yeah, it is it is such a weird experience. I know being in this type of role, it's like having the back of the book answers. You're like, oh, you know, I, I know how to deal with these things. I, you can It can be made easier with this and that and the other. Um, but more often than not... Um, our perspective on ourselves much like the tiktok example right like when we're in it you can't see what you look like from the other side of the room yeah with mental health you might be there gurning but you feel like not that bad but yeah. someone else might look and go oh hey you don't look that great it's like when you rock up to work and someone's like wow you look so tired and you're like <laughs> Ah, shit. I thought that I was, is, like, handling it okay. <laughs> That's, that is always so passive-aggressive. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, going to see a specialist when you are a specialist is valuable. Like, I'm, I've just today booked in to see a psych in three weeks or so to talk about some stuff. I mentioned to you earlier, like... Yeah, very proud of you. Yeah, I'm... I don't know. I've still feels a little bit weird, but I, I definitely... I guess my worries are coming up about my blind spots. So I'm like, am I just justifying things to myself? Okay, if I am, I better go seek a professional's opinion. Yeah, totally. One thing I am worried about though is that as a psych, we know the language. So my tendency is to probably just be like, oh, you know, it's all good and it's probably this and i got a handle on it and actually don't worry about it. Uh, by the way, can I have a refund? <laughs> um, <laughs> no refunds. Yeah, but I, I mean, kid, I kid. Um, the, the weird thing is, is that for me, the alternative, or the only alternative that feels like it's a thing is for me to go in and like dramatize it, mm. which instantly I'm like resisting that. Like, I don't want to do that. So yeah, interesting experience to go in. Like um, I, I know a lot of uh, like social media platforms, like people on them will kind of say, you know, go see a psych, no drama, you know, it's not it's not weak to speak, blah, 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 blah. Great sentiment. But at the same time, like going into those things, most people don't know what to say, what to do. You know what I mean? Totally, yeah. I, I, I'm fully backing it ain't weak, weak to speak, but some people don't know what to say. Yeah, and I always... I always start uh, sessions with brand new people just as a like, hey, I am completely transparent about this whole process. Mm. If you have questions about like me, my qualifications, the, you know, the sort of therapy environment, the sessions themselves, the structure, ask me now in the future, anytime. Mm, mm, absolutely. It's, uh, it's important to know more about it. And I often be really transparent in the like, hey, this is what I'm like currently thinking. Let me know if this like resonates with you or mm. if I'm completely off, you know, I've missed the mark. That's good too. Like if you can... Sorry, a lady just walked past. <laughs> she had a two liter bottle of barbecue sauce oh, in the street. Good on it. Where's she going? What sausage sizzle is that? But barbecue I, uh, on the sauce. I get distracted. Sorry, Dave, continue. <laughs> no, that's okay. I think, um, you know, if you've, if you've had that experience, it's good to kind of help people through that and give the language. Obviously, you don't want to put words in people's mouth and be like, oh, it's probably this and you feel like this. You, you know, mm. Always double check and be like, does that make sense or am I off the mark? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess oh, to, to actually give some advice, um, like I mentioned before, like people might not know what to say. My approach is to always bring to light the critique that follows what you're thinking. So like if I'm going in and I'm like, oh, okay, for me to talk about mental health, it feels like I'm dramatizing it. So I'll bring that up. I'll say, oh, hey, I'm actually worried that I'm going to like downplay this 
because I don't want to dramatize it and I might yeah. overshoot that mark. So then the person on the other side can go, oh, okay, that's, yeah, I can see why you might be confused either way about that. I'll take that into account when you tell me something. So you're always just trying to shed light on, you know, I guess it's easy to let those things stop you from speaking. Just bring that up. Just be like, (laughs) obviously, just bring it up. Just do it. It's way easier said than done. But, you know, you you can always go that next layer up and go, um, hey, I don't want to speak because I don't know what to say. Yeah. I'm feeling uncomfortable. I don't know what that is. And if I don't know what that is, it makes me feel like I can't speak because I haven't even figured it out myself yet. Yeah. And also just the therapeutic rapport, like how well you gel with that person makes a big difference because mm. you think about, all right, here's one friend that, you know, yeah, you know, I, so, I sort of, you know, I hang around with them, but I'm not really like... Don't, I don't have that deeper connection with this friend. Mm. I'm not going to tell them about the deepest parts of me. Yeah. But then there's, you know, you're really close, you know, or best friends and you're like, they literally know everything. Every thought that has popped up in my head, they have, you know, they've, they've got it. I'm, Same with therapists. If you don't gel with them, you're not going to feel like you can trust them. And oh, yeah. Just oh, a yeah. natural human instinct and that's okay. You just find someone you do gel with and... You know, someone can be a textbook perfect therapist, but if you don't gel with them, shit, man. It's a very good yeah, point. It makes if, it rough. If you're if you're not gelling well, it'll feel like someone's preaching at you. Mm. Feel like someone's trying to fix you. Feels like you know someone's already understood you before you've shared that information, and yeah. that'll put you off. That'll put you off every time. Yeah. When I first saw a therapist, I was like, all right, I'm just not going to mention anything that I I was doing undergrad psych. Uh, at that point and uh, I was just like I'm, I'm just not going to mention anything about it and just you know go in completely sort of neutral and of course you know you start answering questions <laughs> about you know yourself and they're like oh what are you studying I'm like ah uh, oh, shit psychology it, it happens pretty <laughs> quickly like um, I think I did the same I saw oh, I would have been in second or third year um, I saw a they weren't a psychologist because I called them that and they very quickly corrected me but they were a form of counsellor, very, very qualified, very um, very intelligent person, very knowledgeable. Um, I just completely got derailed. What was I talking about? You were talking about you, sorry. Oh, so, sorry. <laughs> go, go, going in, going in, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to tell them that I study psychology because mm. um, then they might think that I've diagnosed myself with something or other and they're just going to be defensive. Yeah. Um, when I went in, you know, you say two or three things and they're like, oh, you're quite articulate with that. And you're like, God damn it, they know. Like, <laughs> My cover has been blown. They read my mind. I knew they could do that. Yeah. Well, the most recent time I've gone into therapy, which has um, started ooh, maybe early last year and I've just spaced sessions out. So I just had my uh, most recent one like a week or two ago. And um, this one, I actually just went in. I'm like, I'm going to be completely transparent. I'm going to be like, hey, I'm a psychologist this is what I'm struggling with and I just really want to talk about it and, you know, feel uh, validated and supported. And so I guess I guess I can go into this. Um, in the last year, I've realized that the long-term anxiety that I've felt is actually more serious than that. Um, and that a lot of the symptoms I've experienced since like, I'm 27 turning 28 this year in 2022, um, I probably would have experienced from the age of like 12 or 13. Mm. They all meet the criteria for obsessive compulsive disorder, Ooh. which... This is... Uh, not many people know that OCD is a form of anxiety. Yes, right? it's an anxiety disorder. Um, it's really based around that fear and worry. Yeah, um, people, people think it's like a, a cleanliness having order to things, but yeah, that's, totally. that's kind of just like a, a snapshot of what it actually is, right? It's like, yeah. you know, it's more about if I don't complete those things, then all these terrible things are going to happen. Like, yeah, and the anxiety comes with that. So it's yeah. not just, oh, look, I'm quirky. I do this thing. It's like, no, no, no. The world is on my shoulders. And if I don't do this thing, <laughs> we're fucked. Yeah, literally. Uh, there's unfortunately a bit of a maybe stigma or just like a 
you know, a term where you're like, oh, I'm just so OCD about my, you know, yeah. my books being all <laughs> um, neat on the bookshelf. Yeah. And it's like, uh, no, you just like order. That's, yeah. And that's yeah. okay. Yeah. My OCD has um, shifted over the years, but um, I remember really vividly back when it was sort of first most severe, probably around that sort of 13 to 15 years old mark. Hmm. And I remember I had to uh, do certain compulsions. So I remember like I was in the bathroom and I hit my um, elbow on the towel rack. I then had to do that another three times to make uh, an even four. Mm. Otherwise, something really terrible was going to happen to me or my family. Mm. Mm. There was this just overwhelming fear that if I don't do this another three times, I'm going to die, mum's going to die, you know, dad's going to die, or something bad is going to happen to me or my immediately f- immediate friends or family, and it's it's all going to be my fault. Yeah, yeah and. Yeah. Then if I did, let's say, you know, um, hit my arm on the tower rack another three times, but then I'm like, oh, did I, I did that, those last two a bit too fast because I was trying, I was frustrated and I was trying to get it over oh. and done with. I then had to do four sets of four mm. to make it 16. Yeah. Yeah. To like even it out kind of. And yeah. Until it felt right. Ooh, yeah. And look, that's. That is a big part of it, the the felt right part. Oh, it's because frustrating. What what's I think what most people, um, oh, maybe not most people, some people will react logically, and try and attack that issue with logic. Mm. Oh, your parents aren't going to die. Here's all the reasons, and it's like yeah, fully aware of that. Yeah, thanks. I realize, <laughs> but like the fear that I'm feeling doesn't quite work on the same level as logic and I'm I have to listen to it because I can't like talk to the fear as if to say oh look I've worked it out logically don't worry about it yeah it's like no no you're just com- absolutely compelled to do- go with what this feeling is telling you to do until it goes away yeah you get a real primary emotion of just like worry and you know feeling really scared but then you get a secondary emotion of frustration because you know mm. logically that me doing this thing a certain number of times does not mean, you know, yeah. someone lives or dies. It's, yeah, it's very frustrating knowing that, but still having this overwhelming thing of my brain telling me, hey, you got to do the thing. Do the thing, James. Do the thing. I, I, I think this, like, there's a connection here between, like, what we were talking about, about habits and setting yourself up with barriers. With these kinds of behaviors, the barrier to do them is so low that you go, oh, well, you know, I understand logically it's not going to do anything, but it's literally so little effort for me to do this, so I'll just do it, just mm. to be safe kind of thing. Yeah. And so, like, you're going to do it because it's an easy option and you're going to understand logically how that doesn't connect and then you'll tie yourself in loops with all these conflicting kind of thoughts and feelings and then you end up just feeling insane. It's yeah. very frustrating. Yeah, you really do. Um, other examples of I used to race, well, you'd be very aware, I used to race yeah. like mini motorbikes. Mm-hmm. Um and this was probably around that same sort of ages, 13 to 15 or somewhere around there. Um, and uh, school had given us, you know, you do those little RE classes. Mm. Um, they had given us like a little Bible, like a little New Testament thing or something. Yeah. Um, just a little pocket pocketbook version of the Bible. And um, I would have really intense anxiety that if, um, well, not if, the, before the night... Uh, sorry, the night before a like a race um, or training or whatever you know, the next day had on the motorbikes, I had to read um, a certain passage of the Bible. Otherwise, I was going to come off the bike the next day, severely injure myself, and mm. then you know be maimed or you know suffer some sort of consequence for the rest of my life. Ooh, that um, was terrifying. Yeah, that was pretty rough. Yeah. Um, it's manifested in a lot of different ways. Um, as you know, I've gotten older and I've become more aware of that, and I've, you know, seen therapists and you know tried medication and whatnot. 
it's um it's definitely got a whole lot easier mm. um i would say the only real compulsion i have now um that it wouldn't be clinically significant in terms of the time it you know takes me per day but it's just like before i go to bed i'll just make sure like the the upstairs like um doors are locked to the house mm, mm. or as I'm walking away from my car, I'll just like turn back and like lock it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a, that's a good example of like uh, understanding where these things come from is that, you know, there is a there is a purpose, there is a usefulness to them that kind of gets carried away that snowballs into something that's unhelpful. Mm. You know, um, I think about like, yeah, if you you go to walk out the door you think, oh, you know, I might have left the left the stove on. I'll go check. It takes me two seconds. Like, it's kind of helpful in the sense that, you know, you'll make sure that you don't burn the house down. But I guess if you then cannot leave the house without doing that every single day, yeah, that's obviously getting to the point where, yeah, there was no a, longer useful. There was a point in my life where um i would have that thought i'd would, I would get in the car and just about to leave um you know reverse out the driveway and i would think oh have i left the stove on or have you know i like was making something the night before have i left the oven on mm. and it's like i've never left the oven on i've <laughs> yeah, never yeah, left yeah. the stove on if you leave the stove on and it's a gas one you can pretty well tell it's on because mm. gas is quite potent in its smell yeah um but I would have to go back in. I'd turn off the car, come back in, unlock the front door, come in, um, walk to the kitchen. And then it's not just a visual thing of like, oh, okay, the buttons are off. It's I have to go up and I have to tactile, mm. touch the knob and confirm that it is in the off position. Mm. Or if it's like an electric stove, I have to confirm that the power is off, the light's not on. Mm. I have to you know, open the oven and feel if there's any heat. So there's like those extra stages on top of it that just makes it so complex, so time consuming and so goddamn bloody <laughs> exhausting and mm. draining. Mm. Not so much physically because, oh, yeah, I'm walking back inside to get, you know, look at the oven, mm. but mentally draining. Yeah, that because like that logic comes in again and you're like getting frustrated with yourself. And Yeah. I think I think you made a good point before, which is like around the frustration of like, I've never left the stove on. Why do I do this kind of thing? Mm. The thing is like, you know, if we, if we don't have any examples of when, say, we've left the stove on, um, we've left the car unlocked, that kind of thing. If we don't have any examples of that happening and like things being okay, then your only guiding light is the fear. Yeah, That's all you can go off is the fear because you haven't had the experience of, oh yeah, I left the stove on one day and actually like it, the house just got really hot and the, the, the element was on all day and nothing actually happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that never happens. So your only reference point is, oh, well, my fear is telling me that the house will burn down. So I guess I got to go with that. Yeah. And, and you know, we, we pay insurance for, you know, items like, you know, laptops and microphones. Um, <laughs> but it's the sort of sentimental things that, you mm. know, printed photos and, um, you know, things you can't get back. Uh, like, yes, I can go buy another guitar, but can I buy this mm. guitar that I've had for oof, going on 16 years or something? Oof. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> it's... Mm. Mental health is uh, hard and it's it's quite frustrating when people are like, oh, I'm so OCD or there's a meme <laughs> on TikTok or Instagram and it's like, um, OCD people will hate this and it's like a blue tile yeah. <laughs> amongst all these white tiles. Uh, and it's like, okay, yeah, but I'm pretty sure you're not thinking that if someone doesn't change this tile, your mum's going to die yeah. or you're going to get you know in a car accident you know, 10 minutes later. Yeah. Or you're going to get a call that something has, you know, happened to someone else you care about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people will assume, oh, I'm pretty sure there's a saying for it, you know, um, 
something along the lines of one of the worst things you can you can do is assume that people think the same way that you do and it's like you know if you're able to approach someone and say oh you shouldn't feel this way because logically things are okay it's like well yeah that's all the more you know reason for concern because I know that things are okay and I still feel horrible. So yeah. there's some, you know what I mean? Like that should be a reason for, not a reason against. But, totally. but yeah, again, like the people who say that, like they're going off their experience, like what their mind is telling them. And I suppose they've got no alternative either. Like they see that as irrational because it's not something that they experience. Yeah. I'm just, I just had a thought. Um, it would be nice if my uh, like house like contents insurance um, <laughs> would give me a discount because out of oh, you know all yeah. the people, I'm the one that's more likely to be like, are the doors locked? You know, is there any way for someone to break in that I haven't already checked that I need to check right now? Um, is the oven on? No, I've confirmed fourteen times. I would get so many extra fees. I feel like I am dangerously to the other side of the the spectrum on that one. I'm like, like it's fine. I don't even care. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah, true. <laughs> that sounds amazing, to be honest. That sounds just relaxing. Well, it's only amazing because nothing bad has happened yet. <laughs> it's pure coincidence. It's luck. It's yeah. But still nothing bad has happened, so we have nothing to go off and predict that anything will happen. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. That's why I was like, the example I used before was like breaking into your car or something or like locking mm. your car. And I was like, oh, well, hang on. You've had the experience where people have broken into your car. Actually, I have too. Yeah. But they didn't steal anything. So I was a little bit like, oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was... The people who fornicated in your car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they left, what was it, a, uh, a uh, cider bottle... Deodorant can and a used condom. <laughs> Good on them. Good on them. Dude, that's so messed up. The, the kids are all right. Oh, <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> the offspring were wrong. <laughs> actually, no, they were right because right. they're saying the kids aren't all right. Oh. Oh, I actually thought it was the kids are all right. Well, actually, maybe... I haven't. No, you're right. Am I? I haven't listened I was... to the lyrics in that okay. song. Okay. Anyway, we, we digress. But, um,. Yeah, that, that's something I've been wanting to talk about for a while, just my mental health and really just normalizing that it's okay to, you know, have anxiety. It's okay to have depression. It's okay to have, um, you know, dysregulation of your affect. It's okay mm. to, um, you know, feel all of these range of things, even though they're really awful to experience. Um, it's okay to have them and it's okay to seek out help to minimize the... Um, distress that they cause you yeah it's okay to speak out and if you don't know what to say start with that i don't know what to say i don't even know how to describe it i don't yeah. even know I just, something's up i don't know what <laughs> it is yeah please help uh don't know what else to say but please help <laughs> yeah. and totally um so many sessions start off with a uh, you know I actually don't know where to start or what to say. Mm. And mm. it, yeah, it starts like that, but it, it starts this real process. You start from the very basics, like tell me a little bit about yourself. Mm. And it just yeah. expands and I'm like, oh, yes. This is making sense now, yeah. Yeah, and then people will be like, oh, and then this happened and, and oh, man, that actually was so much more traumatic than I had originally thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and I yeah. think that's actually impacted the way I think about this particular situation in my relationship or, mm -hmm. um, you know, at work or mm. just in my personal life. Yeah. So, psychologists are, are, are good like that in being patient so that you can get to that realization, get to that like state of, you know, exploring it and figuring it out and that kind of thing. Because I think, you know, I for, was, for, for other people, it, makes them feel uncomfortable so they kind of quickly just shut it down yeah oh, oh if you don't know what it is then don't worry about it i always say to um clients that you know you're the expert in your life yes. i'm apparently the expert in mental health but i like <laughs> to think of myself more as i'm just a tour guide along the journey of exploration and mm. you know progress yeah absolutely and it takes so much pressure off of it like you know, when you go to see a doctor and you have these ex expectations that like, okay, they're going to give me a medicine or like a, 
uh, regime where I can, you know, treat and heal and whatever. And yeah, psychologists do that, but it seems, you know, that there's a lot of pressure that people pay, uh, f- uh, place on themselves when they come to a therapist, just like, all right, I need to be in and out in one session and fixed. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, look, it's, a, it's we can't just, easy. we can't just do an ultrasound on our brain and be like, oh, cool. There it is. The hippocampus. It's only working at 85% capacity. <laughs> and it's like, it's a bit more complex. Our mental health is a jigsaw puzzle and all of the pieces are different shapes and sizes, but mm. they all play an important part because without one piece, the jigsaw puzzle is not complete. Mm. Mm, you've got holes in your jigsaw puzzle. It's not watertight. <laughs> it can't hold it can't hold the two liters of sauce that old love was walking past with before. Oh, I forgot about that. Where is she going? We need to, we need to hunt her down. <laughs> Who is she? <laughs> well, look, I, I think we've we've really delved into a, a bunch of cool topics today. Mm, um mm. I feel this this could there could definitely be a part two to this. Yeah, easily. I mean, this is what we talk about all day anyway, so... Yeah, literally. This is our uh, bread and butter. And there's actually... I find a lot of, um, like, kind of um, agency and power in talking about this. Because previously, it's like, you know, my OCD brain has the power over me. Mm. But now that I'm, like, really trying to be more open about it, and not that I'm like, oh, g'day, I'm James, I'm this... Yeah, I'm OCD. Yep, yep. I have OCD. Um, no, it's it's definitely a. If someone wants to hear, I'm happy to share, and that feels like reducing the stigma of like, hey, I have this thing, mm. um, but also like, hey, I have a thing, not I am a thing. Yeah, yeah. My my go to is I'm experiencing this. Yeah. Like I'm I'm this I'm this disorder that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, true. But I, yeah, I'm having having the title helps with understanding and and attacking it. But fun, it's always helpful. I know it's like semantics, but it does help that little bit to be like, I have this. I'm experiencing this. This is something yeah. that can be addressed, removed, all that kind of stuff. Totally. Yeah. Is there any other things you want to chat about today, Dave? We'll save it for a part two. All right, save it for part two. This has uh, been James and Dave for another episode of Static. Um, this one took a little more of a serious sort of thing, but it's still I, got some, you know, whimsical undertones. I, f- I feel like we need to have one of those um, uh, things that's like zero, zero or one days, uh, one podcasts since a car accident or something. <laughs> like the <laughs> where you update the number every podcast. Oh, yeah, let's do that. Knowing me, there'll be another car accident. My car's not particularly safe. Anyway, please, until next time. Please don't. Until <laughs> <laughs> next time, yeah. Um, hope you're uh, well out there. And uh, this is us. Bye. Bye.